Build the portfolio of tomorrow today with alternative investments previously reserved for only the top 1%. Yield Street's cutting-edge investment products are designed to grow your wealth, bringing you one step closer to the financial independence you crave. With minimums at just $500 and access to investments in art, real estate, venture capital, and more, the future of alternative investing is now with Yield Street. Visit YieldStreet.com to get started. That's YieldStreet.com. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors. About bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Get Out of Rap. Today, I have a special guest, and it's someone who, if those of you have met her in her travels around the contact center world or the special interest group, you're not going to have any surprise as to what the subject about. So... Hello, Helen from BPA. Hi, Martin. Thanks for having me on. No problem. How are you doing? I'm really good today. Thank you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. So cool. if you were on Mastermind, this would be, would it be one of your, your specialist subjects? <laughs> um, yeah, why not? <laughs> it's definitely or, one of my pet subjects. That or trumpets. <laughs> both, both of those things. Maybe we'll bring out the trumpets later. We'll see. Oh, there we go. Um, so... <laughs> We're going to talk about um, calibrations, and I know uh, for anyone interested in quality or running operational teams, this is going to be really beneficial because um, prior to me joining BPA, I would understand calibrations as something the quality team did, or if we all got together, they would play a call, we'd all listen to it and discuss it. Is is that the common understanding or... Well, that's where we always start. So when we have discussions and we engage with people about uh, calibration, we always start with defining what it is. So, you know, what does it mean within your organisation? And it's really key to to get a working definition um, before you go forward. So what you've just described is what I would typically refer to as a joint call monitoring session. Um, so um, we'll go into in a moment why that can be problematic um, but yeah, I, I'd say that, that for me, calibration or, or at least gold standard calibration like we practice at BPA Quality is exam conditions ultimately. And then uh, the results are pulled separately and then they are compiled and everybody comes together to review the the results as is rather than kind of listening together and then scoring together or bringing their scores along and, and having a roundtable session um, prior to reviewing those results. So what um, the way that we just described, the way that my understanding was in the first place, those were still um, beneficial. But what kind of things would a, a calibration, as, you, as you've just described, give me that the joint listening sessions wouldn't? Well, the key area is um, really that, that group think mentality that can sometimes happen. So uh, it's quite difficult to be, especially if you're a more junior stakeholder, if you've been invited to a calibration session and um, you're the lone voice in the room. So, for example, in the scenario that you've just given, 
everybody listens to a contact and then um, scores and everyone says, yeah, I've, I've met, scored that as meets expectation or as a, a positive customer outcome, et cetera. And you're thinking, oh, Jesus, I must have been wrong there. I don't I don't think I heard that right. You might be quiet, whereas in our experience, sometimes that one lone voice in the room can identify something of real value and potentially even in a calibration session where you have 15 or more participants who've all scored that call, there can be one person who's heard something and then on review, um, all the other stakeholders are, are prepared to kind of change their own scoring uh, and come to the agreement that that one person had heard something that, that ultimately um, should be considered. And how do you, because it seems to me in, in that scenario you've just described, um, if I'm that one person, how do you facilitate um, helping me be able to share that? Because I imagine it could be quite daunting if you're thinking, oh, everyone else has come up with one way. I think I'm right. Um, but maybe if I'm an introvert or even if you're an extrovert, that's still you've still got to take a, a big step forward to go against the, the thoughts of the room. Right. Absolutely. And that's why we often see in, in this kind of, you know, joint call monitoring session, uh, such as you outlined at the beginning, you will, you you know, there are a lot of people who won't speak up, they'll, they'll just doubt their own perceptions and, and think they're wrong. But if you use gold standard calibration, where the results are all compiled prior, it totally eliminates that because it's going to be key when you look at that heat map in the session and you see that one red no or, you know, um, doesn't meet the standard, etc. then naturally you're going to question it. So at that point, it's very key to um, really check your attitude and not be in any way confrontational, but to say, hey, Martin, what was it that you heard that, that made you score differently to everybody else? And it may just be, you know, human error or, or a gap in knowledge, which is exactly what calibration is designed to kind of um, to highlight. Uh, so, so there's two there's two strands to this. The first is making sure that the attitude that everybody brings to that session is one of sharing and of kind of understanding and not being too wedded to your own ideas and too entrenched in your own way of scoring, um, you know, and, and being open to, to potentially changing or to listening again and, and seeing things from a fresh perspective. But also often a lot of these problems are ironed out just by doing it properly in the first place. Well, that's, fa I mean, that's fascinating. I mean, if, so let, let's, um, let's take this right back to how you would suggest, um, someone goes about putting together you mentioned did you call it gold standard um, yeah yeah a, a gold standard calibration session um what mm -hmm. where, where do you start well well firstly you've got to be clear about why you're calibrating in that way um we know from experience that in the pressure contact center world the calibration program is often the first thing, sadly, in my perspective, out of the window um, when when you have time constraints and when you're pressured and the, the calls are stacking up. But get, get it out of the hot air balloon. Absolutely, yeah, it's just ballast. Just chuck it out. But but we know that that's um, that's absolutely yeah. the, the wrong way. And if I can use the stone in the shoe analogy, it's like if you are sprinting towards the finish line and you realize that you have a stone in your shoe, do you stop for a moment and remove it and then run faster? Or do you just hobble on really quickly uh, and try and get to the end with that stone in your shoe? So, you know, what I'm, what I'm clumsily trying to say there is that it really is time well invested and well spent to just take that breather, press pause and, and calibrate regularly with your team 
because the the benefits are just absolutely huge. So so the reasons then that you'd want um, a, a really robust calibration uh, program in place within your organisation is for consistency in scoring, for clarity around the scoring guidelines, to make sure that there's there's really alignment across key stakeholders. And um, we should absolutely be inviting other stakeholders from across the business into calibration sessions uh, regularly and also C-suite um, stakeholders as well. We know that they're busy, but at least quarterly um, to standardize what we're doing, to ensure fairness and really to inspire trust and, and confidence in the people that are being monitored within your organization, um, which, which also leads to that kind of accountability piece as well. So those people that are scoring have a heightened perception of, of just what they're doing. And they're very um, they're very more likely to not kind of do a disservice to to the agents and the frontline agents that are doing what you and I both know is one of the most difficult jobs within that organisation, which is um, speaking to customers day in, day out and um, making sure that those outcomes are met. So you um, it's interesting that you mentioned there as well, um, the participants. If, yeah. Like I said at the start, my just history being in operations it was something that and, and incorrectly you know like you said that initially about the differentiation between joint listening sessions and actual calibrations mm -hmm. calibrations then um are things that you would recommend not only do quality teams do amongst themselves but then they add they they do separate sessions where they invite in their stakeholders the other people yeah. that they work with ops um who, who else would who else would be included uh l d product and design teams hr everybody that that really has anything to do with the way your contacts sound with your customer should you know maybe quarterly but or maybe more regularly dependent on their you know how much value they they perceive from it um should be involved in those um sessions it, it really should be an open door policy uh, that anyone can come in and calibrate at any time i mean as as you know martin i i, I know that that calibration really is a kind of panacea for a lot of the ills that we have within in contact centers in mm. terms of the quality of contacts so whether it be kind of new site engagement or uh you know training needs analysis or you know really ironing out those gaps in knowledge and just making sure that that you know the the scoring and monitoring pro process just has some value so um everybody really calibrations for everyone <laughs> is, is there um is there an ideal number of participants or is there a number where you should think oh maybe this is too little or too many where's the range um, that, that's an excellent question and i'd say it really depends on the, the scope and the size of your operation naturally ideally every stakeholder would calibrate as regularly as possible but again we, we know that's not always possible um not really one thing i would like to say is how, what a thing of wonder and beauty it is on some of our you know you know at bpa quality we have some huge projects with lots and lots of you know into their hundreds of analysts working on on one project and to see them all calibrate you know at a really high percentage consistently over time is just it's breathtaking really mm. um, and really speaks volumes as to the way that um you know it can be done or should be done definitely what what about the um where if people are doing if people are going to be doing like a gold standard um for the first time yeah where would you recommend that they choose or select the type of call from is it is it one that is a um let's say the middle of the bell curve bulk standard 
um, or do they go outliers first? Does that depend on the um, maturity of the group and how calibrated they are? Where, where would you start? You know, there's value in both. So one thing that I would say is in a, uh, you know, a defined and documented process, a calibration process, you'd want to be looking for a mix um, in the selection of calls. So any call that caused uh, difficulties when when scoring or monitoring or somebody sought a second opinion or even a third opinion, that's ideal for a monitoring, but you don't only want to be um, calibrating on corner cases. So those, well, we call them internally unicorn calls, can be of real value, but in a way they're of limited value. So we'd always say um, during your calibration program, make sure that you're selecting kind of average run of the mill bread and butter calls, which brings me on to the next point, which is that there shouldn't really be cherry picking involved. So if you, you know, you want to keep it within the scope of your AHT for a particular line of business, but you also want to get a mix across contacts. So say, for example, you're multi-channel, you're not just leveling on calls, you're, you're listening to how that, that customer experience piece sounds for all of your customers right across the touch points within your organization. Has that answered your question? Yeah, and that's interesting. Cool. So, I mean, it's a, it's a good point around the uh, multi or omni-channel because I think naturally people are going to think this is only referring to um, voice contacts, but with, you're talking all it's effective across all channels, right? Exactly that, yeah. It, it totally should be, and, and we know from our you know clients with more... Uh, more seasoned calibration programs where they see the value of it and it is something that they that they diarize regularly and, and meet and, and do that uh, we would always recommend that it, it kind of goes to scale so you should calibrate most regularly intuitively on those kind of contacts that you're you're dealing with the most and that you're receiving the highest volumes of but that shouldn't be at the detriment of um you know other channels and, and other lines of business and we often see that that people will just be uh, leveling on those those types of contacts that potentially they're more familiar with and we'll you know the, the brain likes what's familiar and doesn't like what's unfamiliar but but we should be challenging ourselves for the benefit of our customers and our our staff as well yeah, definitely. So we, in this scenario, you've got participants, you've chosen the uh, contact or contacts. Who is the best person to facilitate? Who's the best person to facilitate these sessions? Well, that will depend in the organisation. Uh, it should be somebody who, like me, is a bit of a nerd and has really invested <laughs> in the calibration process and really sees the value. And a it bit. should be that... <laughs> should be that calibration owner's job to make sure that every participant around the table when you do level uh, also understands why you're doing it and and kind of has that kind of check yourself check your attitude approach to make sure that everybody is invested and and on the same page um, it doesn't have to be the most senior person in the room but it, but everybody should understand who that person is and dependent on the size of your you know, calibration program, you may need a, a kind of final, say, a calibration uh, dispute, um, or I don't like the word dispute, a calibration query settler. So, you know, the final call on a particular dispute uh, will we'll go to this one person who, who has the final say. It's interesting, isn't it? There must be so many variables, but I think company culture has to have a bearing if, if there is a senior person in the room. I mean... Yeah you know you've shared with me in the past around how there's a danger that people fall into this kind of emperor's new clothes that the senior person says this is fine or 
it should be this score and everyone everyone defaults so yeah how do you mitigate that well that's the thing so there needs to be a predefined kind of arbitrator um who makes that final call in scoring disputes and and if you don't have that then it often does as you say fall to the most senior or a person in the room or sometimes just the loudest voice in the room and as we know that's not always necessarily best practice so um it all comes back to that having a defined calibration process in place and then using the ongoing cycle of calibrations to to refine that process and and tweak it as required and i guess if you're already if you're in the habit or you have the cadence of inviting in other stakeholders and you're open-minded if you're even as a quality expert a nerd you um (laughs) You're going to be inviting in other opinions that is that potentially are going to help you with scorecard development and calibrations are often the birthplace for those kind of ideas, I guess, right? Exactly. Absolutely that. Yeah. That, and that's the thing, that cross-pollination of ideas, that's the way that you break down silos within the organisation. People always report that when they start, you know, if, if we consult with them and then they start to calibrate the I don't want to call it the BPA way, but but what I would refer to as the gold standard way, they do report countless benefits from just having that kind of either monthly or, or potentially more frequent um, checkpoint with other engaged people within the organisation. And, mm. and it can only be a good thing. Yeah. Because we're all customers as well, I guess. So Yeah, completely. And that, um, so would i be you've got all the people together you've got the um parameters around how you're going to conduct it you mentioned at the at the start around exam conditions does that mean i've been given the details and told to score prior to coming to the actual meeting exactly that so so what you'd expect would be that everybody all participants would be given the same amount of time to calibrate and dependent on like the complexity of the scorecard and uh, the the length of the call or or the contact uh, that that might vary but everybody should have the same amount of time to score everybody should not confer or rather nobody should confer Um, they should submit their results into a system you know such as our own or you know something else or even excel as long as it's then emailed to um, that key calibration owner that one person that's going to collate all of that data prior to the session Um, and then um, yeah everybody should then come together to review the results uh, in in that way afterwards you would you would hope people wouldn't but if people were just seeing this as a task to complete let's say you're the person receiving the um the information back from people's what should be separate uh listening sessions or whatever how how do you guard against or what are the things to look out for to show maybe that people have been conferring what would you do that's an excellent question i I mean, I'd like to think that you could trust people, but again, I suppose that the key thing would be at the start of your calibration program, potentially have a preliminary session mm. where you get everybody together and explain the why, uh, why you want to conduct the sessions in that manner, why you want to be uh, open-minded and, and have that spirit of fairness. And at the risk of sounding really trite and kind of school marmish, that idea that you're only cheating yourselves mm. and, and the people around the table and also ultimately the end users. So, I guess there has to be a certain level of of trust that we're all adults and that you're not going to be kind of, you know, sharing each other's homework, as it were. And if you do, then, yeah, you you cheated yourself and others. That's a great great point. I mean, 
because it kind of goes back to that we we're saying earlier around if you you're trying to create this is a a collaborative session to yeah. provide to enable your organization to provide a better service so it's absolutely because i think the if you look at the motivation why would somebody want to confer it's because they don't want to look daft probably mm. um yeah but if they, right. know, if they know this is a good place to be then there should be no problems right completely that um and and yeah there has to be that spirit of trust that spirit of openness and if somebody really doesn't feel prepared enough for that session then in a way that that's a kind of a red flag to them to maybe either brush up on their knowledge or maybe you know do a bit of refresher um training or or just just maybe spend a bit more time with those guidelines or side by siding with some agents just to bring themselves back up to speed to the point where they feel more confident or to just go ahead and participate in that session and be completely honest when it comes to reviewing the results and just say, I wasn't sure um, I'm here for the steer and I'm going to learn from it. Yeah, that's great. So you've got everyone's scores. Yeah. You've got the, you've got the session. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens next? Again, uh, that, that's the point where you want to just bring everybody into the room at the risk of sounding a bit woo then uh you know bringing some mindfulness to that session no phones no laptops open at that point everybody's just focusing on uh reviewing that interaction together um with you know the scores are already there and submitted and then um the way that you do it in a gold standard session where you're really focused on customer outcomes is before you even look at the scorecard and how everybody scored you start thinking about what do we think about this contact in general terms from the customer's perspective so high level holistic viewpoint how was this contact for the customer and that in itself just getting everybody's steer uh, or, or feelings in the room about that can be really quite striking if it then turns out that the 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 call has scored really well on your scorecard but ultimately you know from an end user from a customer outcome perspective it wasn't brilliant Mm. so um yeah that can inspire and engender some really good discussion so that's where you start and then you know just moving on from that just think about if there were any aspects of that contact that had a real kind of wow factor that would have been really high impact for that customer if something positively impacted then then how and why and and similarly you know what didn't help the call and why not so at that point when you've done that kind of holistic piece you can then start thinking about are there behaviors on this scorecard that we've used which might be impacting uh, the impact on the customer so if it's a seasoned um, monitoring program and you have a, a quality framework in place and the agents are aware of how they're being monitored is there anything in the way they're being monitored that are driving behaviours that might be um, not positive, if that makes sense? And, and I know your anecdote, Martin, about, um, you know, somebody at the end of a call, if they know on the scorecard they, they've had to say three t- name exchange three times, they've had to use their own name three times during a contact. And at the end, they end up, you know, you say it better than me, but, you know, repeating their name over and over again in a I... robotic way um, <laughs> before closing that call. And then that's not best practice. So it should this is the time to really just just have a moment to kind of regroup and and with engaged stakeholders think about that kind of thing um and then also from the the agent perspective of that person who's being uh, listened to in the calibration session what are the key items that that person could then be coached on and potentially that person's line manager or, or the team coach will be in the room at that point and will then be able to take that away and um 
with that person's permission, sit down and, and coach them through some action points or just praise them for a, a good contact, ideally. That's, I mean, that's really helpful. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I do remember that anecdote. I even remember the name. Her name was Fleur. Um, <laughs> great you have call. to share it now. Go on. Well, it was a, we were doing a what I now know was just a joint listening session rather than um, a calibration. And the score, based on the scorecard, had scored, you know, really high. I, I, it may have even been 100% because mm-hmm. there was a, there was a an arbitrary tick in every in every box. Yeah. But in terms of the flow and for the customer, uh, it, it was very engaging right up until the end when uh, the agent, Fleur, had just suddenly, you know, had an epiphany that she'd forgotten um, name exchange or she thought she hadn't exchanged names. And I think at the time it was decided that three was an optimum number to exchange your name with the uh, customer. So who... Yeah. He finished and then she went, oh, John, sorry, just before I let you go, um, I did tell you my name was Fleur, Fleur, Fleur. And <laughs> he, the customer, just said, um, okay. It was a, it just made the, it made what was a very, very nice call extremely odd at the end. Yeah, and I just, a bit awkward. It, it stayed with me for years. Um, so, yeah. yeah. That that is a good one. Thanks for reminding me of that. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's just a, a great time during a calibration session to to kind of consider if there's anything on on your scorecard that, that's driving behaviours that might have you know unintended or um, unfavourable results from from a customer perspective. And then you go into the nitty gritty of scoring um, each of the line items on the scorecard and maybe sharing some insight, which, again, can always feed back into other areas as you settle any scoring disputes, hopefully in a very uh, polite and and relaxed manner. (laughs) Um, Then uh, you can then feed that uh, any findings or learnings back into the scoring guidelines as well, which is really helpful. And then so after you've had your calibration, the the, the key thing is that you don't all just disperse and um, just meet again next month. The next part is kind of really reviewing those results, tracking them over time. Um, you know, bearing in mind that you may have different guest stakeholders in the room, um, but but really kind of keeping tabs on on how that calibration program is going and really doing some uh, root cause analysis of any areas that are particularly um, or traditionally difficult to to level on in those sessions and then actions off the back of that. So just feeding back into that that cycle of continuous improvement and continuous learning to make sure that those learnings aren't lost. I think that's one of the things that I'm, I've certainly picked up from working with, with you is that you've, you've gone through this session. It seems to me facilitation is key. Yeah. You've, you've had, well, you've had the preparation, you've gone through the session, you've facilitated some great conversations and I've seen you firsthand and others just deliver a myriad of, of actions, right. That are cross-functional, mm-hmm. um, you know some for the, some for the operations some that maybe warrant further investigation and it, it seems to me that it is key on on tracking them because otherwise you're just doing it and then you might meet again in whenever whatever the regularity is um what kind of how what would you suggest people do how do they keep a, a track and keep people honest on that in that sense 
Well, you can always have a review and a preview at the beginning of each session. So when you do that little mindfulness piece or whatever you want to call it, just kind of engaged awareness at, at the beginning, it could be the right time at that point to just review previous results or at the wrap of, of your calibration meeting. But just having that regular touch point, uh, if you circulate you know, results, that there's a potential for people in their busy lives to miss it. So it can be useful to do that as a group just to review them. And also at that point, the calibration owner who's who's responsible for for tracking those results could also get some extra insights from other people that they may not have considered about why potentially there's a spike or a dip in a score or uh, you know any any other anomalies that you might see in the data that's been really really helpful and i think um what would you if you were to leave people with um let's say there's people out there that are maybe doing regular um, calibration sessions what what would you be leaving with what's the final thought you'd want to leave them with um there's there's a couple so one would be to have a defined and tracked escalation process um for any disputes that you have during those sessions and and disputes is a kind of loaded word but any any times where you have that deadlock and, and two people or, or multiple people are very entrenched in their views, you need to be able to get resolution. Ultimately, that's one of the main purposes of the calibration. So have a process, have a final arbitrator and use those learnings and, and make sure that you're refining your, your scoring guidelines um, as part of that. Um, consider that calibrations, consider their power. Um, use them to gain consensus on the best approach to operational change you know use it in an enlightened manner really leverage those those outputs that you get from calibration sessions um, use them to refine your your forms to update guidelines you know to really as we spoke about earlier to engender alignment and, and trust and faith in the process and the whole quality framework ultimately um, and finally always always use that calibration session first and foremost as well as the scorecard to consider the interaction from that customer perspective. Uh, that, that's absolutely key to, to think about it from the customer angle. Um, and then you may find discrepancies in what you're actually measuring in your scorecards against how that contact really is from the end user perspective. That is excellent. That is brilliant. Thank you um, very much, Helen. Uh, you're welcome. For sharing probably what is just the tip of the iceberg of your knowledge. I know firsthand that um, you could talk about this for a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, hopefully I've, I've, I've kept it. Uh, I mean, I know I'm perfect to go on a bit, but yeah. <laughs> it, it's perfect. And I um, no, all, all joking aside, I've seen you've, you've sort of shown me the way firsthand that there's no surprise. There is a very direct correlation between people that are doing things in a very progressive, you know, award-winning, exceptional way for their customers, have um, very mature, constantly reviewed calibration um, mm -hmm. methodology in place. Absolutely. Um, and I'm, I'm sure there's going to be people that are listening that would want to find out more. Please don't ask me. Um, I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> We've already exhausted my knowledge in the first minute. Um, I will put Helen's details... Um, wherever you put them on a podcast I'm still finding my feet and um, <laughs> I'm I am well I'm just making this commitment without asking you are you okay for people to contact you if they absolutely no no of course as you can probably I don't know if you've got an inkling this is something that I could really go on about at length probably ad infinitum so yeah please do feel free to contact me lovely thank you very much thanks Helen
Thanks, Martin. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye now. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired their personal trainer as a caterer. All right, folks, let's keep this line moving. You there with the tongs. Picking up one Dutch's potato at a time will not cut it at my catering table. Drop and give me 50. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Okay, this is what we call the wild mushroom and asparagus dip, dip, and press. Come on, let's get those plates above your heads. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today.